0: I'm Carrie Benedette and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalize you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specializing in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Matters. And our guest today is Luke Boonel. And you know what, Luke, you and I have got a couple of Coincidences, I believe, but more importantly, you've had an absolutely amazing career in telling stories in a whole different way. But most importantly, though, I want to ask you how do you thrive in life and work, and what gets you out of bed with a smile on your face most days?
1: Well, I can tell you the answer to that, Carrie, is pretty simple it's Story League, which is obviously my business. So, like Pretty much every other person on the face of the planet, They've I, I have gone and worked for a bunch of people that just quietly I haven't really liked, I haven't really believed in working towards their dream, but I did it because you know no one teaches you at school to go and do your own thing. It's about teaching you to go and get a job. So um, I eventually arrived at a place where that was an option for me to go out and do my own thing. That was three years ago, when there was all sorts of problems initially when it started. But we've been able to get it to a point now where it's not just me; it's a team of nine, counting myself. Um, and that is literally what gets me out of the bed every day. It's just working with the team and delivering for our customers, and knowing that um, I'm putting in place something that I consider pretty special, which is Story League.
0: Oh, you know, there's something really special about a team of people when they're humming together, when there's the rhythm there, you've got colour and texture, um, you've got a whole great purpose going. And it's not always easy, is it? I mean, there are days when something goes wrong or you've got a bit of a hiccup or a surprise. But, I mean, we've, we've got this notion of thriving at the moment. And I like to talk about this because some days it's not as easy as others. And we're all humans. We're very emotional beings and it's how we... We work through all those to make sense of the world, but also make it a better place for the time that we we spend here.
1: Absolutely. Um, I can give you a very real example of where it doesn't go right. So we recently hired a new staff member and on paper, fantastic, and was really committed and all those sorts of things. Uh, then we pretty quickly arrived at a place where she wasn't delivering work at all during the week and missing team meetings and all sorts. And I did my best to try and accommodate that. But, you know, there was just a failure to, to turn up and do things. And then when we realised the, the root cause of the problem, she had a few things in her personal life that she needed to focus on, which were not pleasant and not easy to deal with. And obviously we're, you know, we're trying to help her as best we can with that. But that's a case of where, it hasn't gone right for her and it hasn't gone right for us as well because she's now no longer with the team because she's got to focus elsewhere but everyone else in the team is now under pressure because we had that we had that position in place because we needed someone to fill it to do with everything that we're we're delivering for our customers but um you know you, yeah it didn't fall into place and didn't work on this occasion so it's a matter of uh everyone getting on the tools so to speak to to, to deliver the results and the good thing out of that is I was able to communicate that back to the team and they know our vision and they know our goals and where we want to go. And they're fully rusted on that. They've just went, yep, no worries. It's not going to be easy over the next couple of weeks or whatever it might be, but we'll get it done. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's just really inspiring to deal with. Uh, And yeah, it's just, you know, it's a good place to be. Ultimately, it's a good problem to have, not that you want it, but it's great to know that you've got that reliable team there who will just pick up the slack and run with it.
0: I think what you've just um, shared with us, Luke, is something that's really important. Um, there are a number, look, most of us have some type of cocoda moment. Um, we have struggles getting out of bed or climbing the mountain each day, whatever it is, whether we're we're children who are helping their parents with different things or our employees. And I think what you've just exhibited is um, an empathetic way to work with your team and and. How to communicate to the rest of the team we've got to pull this together, but we're also going to care for this person who's having great difficulty, and I think that's um, A great example, because at the moment, this is what the world needs, we need organizations businesses communities that care for each other, but also have expectations. So it's a it's a bit of a, a balance, isn't it?
1: It is because at the end of the day, like the the team members are involved in Story League, they're working for a company, okay? So you know, it's it's at the end of the day, it's my dreams, it's what I want to achieve for Story League and whatever else, and they're obviously invested in that journey. But it's not life or death for them, and nor should it be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have a life outside of it, and uh, it's one thing that I've I've been very clear on with all new staff members and. Uh, having gone through a corporate environment which was very cutthroat and I did not enjoy it and eventually got the arse anyway, which was the reason Story League began, I, I knew right then and there that I, I didn't want to create something like that because I'd seen it too many times in journalism, in politics, in corporate. Just what happens when you treat people poorly? Um, and so you're right, because we have a team that's that's invested in what I'm trying to do. They will take on extra load to get the job done because they're happy and healthy and they know that I'm not going to turn around and then treat them poorly if something doesn't go right or mm-hmm. make them work on weekends or to, you know, every hour of, <laughs> of the day because mm-hmm. they've got things that they do outside of work, which is just very important as well because, mm-hmm. you know, they need to have their life. And um, that's, that's very important.
0: Well, I think listeners are, are hearing you say Story League and already you've given us an idea of your um, sort of employment history, the interesting things. And I'm just looking down um, some of what I know about you. Um, you know, you always tell stories, uh, as, as even as a young fella. Um, you got into acting, radio, journalism, politics. Now, I looked at that list and went, wow, look at the interconnection of the skill base with difference. And I think for all of us now, we're, we're, we're actually not necessarily jack of all trades, but we're really skilled in a number of areas that complement each other. So I'd love you to tell us a little bit about what led you here to Story League.
1: All right. Well, I'm 37, so that's a long story. But I can start right back when I was that in grade <laughs> <laughs> when, um, when I was in grade two. So, and it's it's really funny what you say because the sequence of events at the time, I had no idea where it was going to take me. I just thought they were isolated events that um, were just interests that I've had, and they phased out at a particular point, like acting. But ultimately, it's it's. Um, You know, done a 180 or a full circle, whatever you want to call it, and gotten to a point where I use every single thing that I've had experience in doing now in a business. So, for me, the whole storytelling component began with my grandfather. So he was a a a a massive storyteller, and look, let's call it for what it was. They were basically lies. So we'd sit down (laughs) at the table in Adelaide. And he would tell me that he was a war hero and that he was shot in the chest with a cannon, that he was knighted by the Queen, that he escaped a Japanese war prison by living on a, a grain of rice a day. And he found a knife to uh, cut through the bamboo <laughs> bars and things like that. And, you know, I believe his story so much that I went after, after school holidays, we returned back to, to Warrigal where we lived uh, and I fronted up to show and tell at school, and I told the class this amazing story of how brilliant and how, how much of a legend and hero my grandpa was. And the kids believed me as well, but the teacher was just kind of in the back of the room, nodding and sort of going, Yeah, I'm not too sure if I believe that. Now, we all know if you get shot in the chest with a cannon, you can't tell the story about that because you're no longer around. That's right. So, That's uh, right. but. That's just how amazing his storytelling was. And my mum, his father, obviously, or her father, uh, was one of six children, and he would tell them stories when they were growing up too. So it was just an amazing environment to grow up in. I didn't know it at the time, but that's where I started to love storytelling. And then that manifested itself in loving dressing up and playing games in the backyard. So, I mean, I've got photos of me dressed up as Clint Eastwood, who was a hero of mine. I was in my mother's leather cowboy boots, which were fashionable in the day. I got her um, eyeliner pencil and drawn a beard because I couldn't actually grow one back then. Uh, threw on one of her jackets and ran around with a plastic gun. So just creating all these sorts of stories and whatever else. That led to me uh, wanting to become an actor. So when I was a little bit older and could start making some of those choices myself, I pursued mm-hmm. acting and... And did it to a a certain degree of success. It certainly wasn't the next Russell Crowe or anything like that, but I was on Neighbours for a few episodes and a a, uh, TV show where I played a a murderer and, you know, all sorts of things like that. Always got cast as the dodgy characters for some reason. I don't know if you can tell me something about that, Carrie, but I thought I was a decent person. Um, And then that's obviously led into radio, broadcasting, uh, media advisory and politics, then through to corporate media roles as well. Mm. And now at a point where we tell stories for the businesses that we work with across copywriting, podcast and video creation. So, you know, radio, podcasts, natural marriage, TV, video is a natural marriage. And, mm. um, you know, uh, I, I was a feature writer for The Age and a couple of other online publications back in the day, too. So writing blog posts is something that just naturally take to. So when I said before, all of those events happen in isolation, I just was brave enough to pursue something I wanted to do to varying degrees of success. But it's brought me to this point now where it's given me this skill set to be able to go into a business and start telling some really good stories across their communications channels so they can build their audience and ultimately generate leads and increase profit at the end of the day.
0: But I think, um, you know, I look at, we've got some grandchildren and um, you you won't have probably yet, but um... not that I know of. That's right. Um, but I look at them and their imagination is is just beautiful to watch and you don't want that to dissolve because you... Absolutely, and, yeah. And, and I watch them as they go into kindergarten and, and year one and things start to change because they've got to get ready. They've got to mm. wait. They've got to do exactly what everyone else is doing. And one of our six-year-olds came home a couple of weeks ago, walked into the front door of his home and said... I haven't had a minute to myself all day.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: And, and proceeded just... to go off for hours by himself. He didn't want to talk. He didn't want. He just wanted to do his own thing. Now, I just think what you you started with—the stories, uh, imagine using imagination, creating something that is you know, it's curious as well as, you know, it's fantasy or it's, you know, it's relatable um, at the same time. And it's a beautiful legacy. No wonder you called it Story League, your business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've got to be honest there, I didn't actually come up with a name for it. So it was a, a close friend of mine, we were sort of thrashing out some ideas. And he sort of said, "Well, what about Story League? And I'm like,
0: Oh really? Yeah, love it.
1: that yeah, works. Yeah, so yeah. It's like I yeah. like I was flirting with the idea of calling it content and co, which is kind of a bit detached really for what we are doing. But and that was taken anyway. So that wasn't an option. But there are a lot of things that were yeah. fleshed out at the time. And um like a lot of things in business, it's just one of those things that fell into place naturally. Yeah. And it's a it's a perfect fit because, you know, we like to see that the businesses we're working with, they're joining our league of storytellers. So right. it's uh yeah, it's 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 ended up being a oh, godsend,
0: that name. So your grandfather, if he was a bit of a, a scammer storyteller, really, he's a he's a he's a scammer. But um, he most
1: definitely was.
0: Yeah, but he <laughs> he was a significant person in your life, or a, um, who's influenced exactly what you've done, how you've have how you've built on all those different skills. Yeah, so absolutely. I, yeah. I wanted to say to you, um, I grew up in Cooma. So, which you may not have known. So, I didn't Goulburn, know, but I do know it. Yeah. So, Jindabine and Goulburn are right on the, on the highway that we transfers as, as kids growing up, coming up and down. So, I love Jindy. Uh, we, I actually got to watch, I have memories of watching the lake fill up. Oh, wow, but okay. We, yep. When the snow is yeah. yeah, because yeah. I was only a little girl then. But Dad would take us, we were at news agents, and Dad would take us up on a Sunday. That was our half day off, no papers yep. on a Sunday morning. Yep. And um, we'd go up and we'd watch the lake rise and you'd see parts of the houses floating by, tree trunks, you know, different <laughs> yeah, things. Right. You'd watch it rise each week. So, Gendabine and Goulburn. Well, Goulburn is either the hottest place on the earth or the coldest.
1: Uh, you're right. It is. Yeah, I can remember many mornings because I was I was in both of those places as a radio broadcaster. And I can remember many mornings in Goulburn doing the breakfast radio. So you're getting up at like four am and driving to work, and it was freezing, it, it really so is You, cold. you, you are yeah. right. There's no respite there, no matter the time yeah. of year, um, and it's uh, it's. <laughs> it's hours from a beach or it's hours from yeah. somewhere cooler or anything like that. So the it's planes. not as if, yeah, 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 that's right.
0: The winds on the planes the, there are just regular.
1: Uh, it's a shocker.
0: But I have a memory of 2XL in Kuma and how they would put on an LP and you wouldn't be able to find the radio announcer for hours. You'd yeah. be having a drink over at the pub and yep. you'd just get this whole, whole LP. On. But anyway.
1: You know, I, I actually worked at that radio station too. And um, uh, that's just a, another little example, a quick one for you of, how I fell in love with storytelling. So you would go in, and I was younger at that stage, you'd go into the Top 40 radio program and you'd pay, play the latest Pink or, uh, you know, Paris Hilton or whatever it is, and it used to drive me insane. I was given the opportunity to go into 2XL and do what was called the trading post. So people would – it's like the, the modern day or the of the time the, the Facebook marketplace. So people would call yeah. the radio station and they'd flog – basically a bunch of crap that they don't want anymore. Hmm. I loved it. Absolutely loved people would call in. i talked to them about their story and hear what they've got to say, and make some jokes around it. And at the end of my time there, um, and I announced in my final trading post shift that I was no longer doing, I was going back to Melbourne. I got 10 calls from people saying, We've loved having you on. You've brought a real oh. sense of life to to what we're doing. So yeah. that's just a, another thing just that big ability to be able to communicate with people. And mm. was finally one of my last radio jobs. I was allowed to do that, and uh, yeah, it was great. Just loved it. it was so much fun.
0: I find people. I mean, in in country towns, you know, you, you they're your community, and you've got that's all, right. char- all characters. And you can have a really good laugh at yourself. Good Aussie humour
1: comes through, but um. And you need it in that environment too, particularly if you're yeah. a ring in, because uh, yeah. you know I wasn't a long-standing oh. family member from uh, Jindabyne or Goulburn, and you know they see you as the the young uh, broadcaster that comes through, so they want to they want to um, pull you down a little. But you know if you can if you can snap back and have a bit of a joke joke with them, they get over it eventually, <laughs> and it's it's all good. But yes, you've got to have a thick skin
0: well after mum and dad after 30 years of business we still weren't local so um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes i can i can well, believe
0: that <laughs> but, but I think what we're talking about here is the connections we make with people and story and how important they are and your story really is the essence of who you are um, and I think that's the most beautiful thing because around us at the moment um the you know the Massive change. We've never lived in this time before. Uh, We're privileged to to live here and and be witnessing some massive change um, globally through pandemic. We've now got um, um, war in in, uh, Ukraine. We've got a whole lot of things going on. People still are present. People matter. People's um, identity and voice still matters. And I think The use of podcasts, the use of um, YouTube, radio, the the advent of video and TV together are helping everybody um, tell the story, even in times when we're isolated. We're not isolated through the technology. We could be isolated face-to-face in in lots of ways. So I think that's um, an important thing to actually talk a little bit about as well, so that the movement for businesses Especially your your Story League is supporting the marketplace, being able to put a story out there about some what somebody has for you, and people are buying brand, aren't they?
1: Absolutely, and I would I would love to hear from your audience the last time that they had a potential customer go to the yellow pages, look for their number, call them to find out about them. It just doesn't happen anymore, does it? It's all no. online, so. Yeah they either punch in their problem to a a search engine or they go to social media and exposed to something that's relevant to them. So they're all pieces of content at the end of the day. Um, And and that's why we exist. Like it's quite clear that the world has gone this way. We've moved online and we know why. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can tell you before the first week of COVID, I put on my first full-time staff member. So up until that point, it was just me then two days after i put the first full-timer on we lost our two biggest contracts so i thought how am i going to get through this yeah. but from that point we've been able to build up to, to nine staff members so and that's, that's phenomenal just, it that's is phenomenal, phenomenal and it's great and it's a good Congratulations. place to be, but thank you but it's it's just in reference to the fact that other businesses are realizing they need to be ever present online now um, mm. because that's where the market is and there's no other way to look at it because if if you think about the the next generations that are coming through they're all online. Like I was at a birthday party for a, for a, a friend of a friend yesterday and it was, she was a young girl, so she's five. So we know the mother and uh, she was doing all sorts of things on her mum's mobile phone to look at information. I might add, she was probably looking at things she shouldn't need to be, but um, that's just the digital trend. And it's not necessarily yeah. the greatest thing it needs to be monitored, obviously, but you know, when the time is right for her to become a consumer she's going to be exposed to brands through the things she's been doing online. And that's, that's just a trend that's not going to change. So those businesses want to remain alive in the online space. They need to be online.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about your career, um, your dabble into politics as well. I mean, you've probably got a few good stories um, that of lessons learned that now are impacting on the way you do what you do for people. So
1: I, I have a lot of stories out of my political days. It's probably best to uh, stop recording and go and having a wine at some point. So <laughs> we'll have a drink of wine and I will wine at the same time. So a few things I probably can't mention on air, but um, yeah, it was a, a fascinating time. So mm-hmm. it was strategic for me in the sense that, um, you know, like everyone, I've got some sort of political leaning, but it's, it's not strong enough for me to just, you know, Think that that particular party is is one hundred percent right and everyone else is one hundred percent wrong. It's not like that. So I did apply for a few different jobs for political parties, and one said yes, which happened to be the Liberal Party of the day, which was strategic in a way for me because they were in opposition and it was the the Rudd Gillard Rudd era. So it didn't take a genius to work out that at the next election, the yeah. Labor Party were going to lose, and then if I had a job, I would have been without a job. So mm-hmm. I went the other way and, and um, went into opposition. And uh, it, look, it was just really fascinating. That's where I learned what happens when you share a message that doesn't have a story with it. So there's so many academic studies that prove people remember the story, not the data. And it's one reason that the politicians fail to cut through. There's, there's many reasons, mind you, but it's a major one, is the fact that they'll just tell you a piece of data and expect you to remember it and want to vote for it which just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, one of the, the really good uh, politicians who's able to use storytelling was Obama, Barack Obama. So if you mm. go and look at his his first speech, he barely mentions himself. He talks about Rosa Parks and a, a bunch of other people throughout life who, um, you know, he's, he's seen and he's learned from and, and whatever else. So he's just sharing one big story as his message and it's the reason why it cut through and it's the reason why it works. So um, absolutely it doesn't matter where you are in life, what generation, or what civilization you come from, it's the stories that matter and it's the stories that people
0: remember. And I think what you've just highlighted is it's the stories um, about the we, not the I,
1: that's very true. Yep.
0: And yep. I think that's what um, I, I happened to look, get an early cup of coffee this morning after doing some exercise and happened to look up and it's um, the headline was um, we're already getting nasty and personal about the election. Yep. And I went, I'm well, well I that's not news. That's actually not news because that's what we do here. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it's a character assassination, really. When I think yep. we're more interested in in what's what the issues are, we're actually interested in in humanity and Absolutely. how we're actually going to move yeah. forward. And I think that's why um, people are really loving podcasts, whatever they whatever they are, and they they look at the marketing and the story is so important.
1: It is, yeah, um, and it's it's very clear out of that example you've used there too that. Um, People don't want to be told what to think, and they, you know, that's clickbait journalism, which is another reason why I left and I hated it. And mm. to give you an example around that, if I go back to my Ginderbine days, I the program I had was pitched at the the men of the town, which is fine, no problem with that, but. I would go and speak to the men at the town at the pub on a Friday and Saturday night and find out what they wanted. And there was an appetite for them to know more about politics and, and world events. Okay. So yeah. I went and spoke to my program director and told him that. And he's like, no, nah, just focus on chicks and cars. That's all they want to know about. And I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> I was just at the pub and I've heard it from several sources saying that they want something more than that. And he's like, no, nah, don't want you to do it. Chicks and cars, that's all it's got to be. And so the program ultimately didn't work. And I'm like, well, this is why because you've got an audience telling you that you want something but then you're trying to ram down their throats something completely different and it's not going to work and back in those days before social media the big traditional media barons could get away with it because there was no other option for people but now they're switching off traditional media like you wouldn't believe because there's an abundance of options to find something that suits them so uh, yeah, and, but there is, there is an audience online for anyone and anything. You just need to find it and you can build an online community from there. It's a great place to be once you do.
0: Well, I think that's why we, we talk about what's, you know, the problem that you're solving for people. Um, when, when we all go into business, you, you know, who's your favourite avatar? What, what's the problem you're going to be solving for them? You need to know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So that's that's how you go about it. And you are you are spot on when you say people don't want to be told how to vote, how to think, <laughs> because it goes, it's a direct um, contradiction to this notion of being self-directed, self-motivated, continual learners who are that's curious. Right. And that's what we're yeah. teaching our kids, you know, um, crit- being critical thinkers. So how, how do you develop that? across curriculum from say k to 12 and university and then turn around and go this is the only bit of news we're going to give you and you have to you have to you know that's the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and we're telling you that people aren't Mm. buying that anymore so no
1: and nor should they because it's been a joke for a very long time like you know i think back to my journalism days when editors would push you to do a certain uh topic with a certain outcome And, you know, me being a bit of a free free thinker, obviously I did that because I was employed to back then, but that was never sustainable for me for a long time because I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm not the, I don't know, have all the answers here and it's not my job to do that. It's my job to give you both sides of the story, but depending on where you are in journalism, you don't get away with that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just another massive example of um, how people now the democratisation of social media, basically, is what it's done. Mm. It's, you know, it's a double-edged sword because there's a lot of um, pretenders and uh, ego on social media too and fraudulent claims and whatever else. But you, once you find that niche that is your place, then it's, um, it's really good for you know, educational purposes and um, life learning. And look, you know... You mentioned there, Carrie, the the education model. Well, I'm a product of how that doesn't work because yeah. I, I actually left year 12 illiterate. So I could barely read and I couldn't, I could barely read out loud and my spelling was atrocious. I then went on to become a feature writer for the Age newspaper. So I obviously got it right at some point, but I was able to hide it at, at primary school and high school, hide it from my parents as well, which is not a good thing, but I got away with it. The only reason i was able to get those jobs is because i did something about it myself but every year i
0: passed that's so how is right. that possible <laughs> and you, you're not alone you're not alone mm-hmm. and i don't know if you have any esp but i was just about to say to you tell me if if that's the case what are some of the resiliency skills you have developed over the years because that's that is quite a mammoth thing to have left school education wasn't for you, or the way it was structured, the way it was offered, the way it was taught, what wasn't for you. Because now there are more entrepreneurial styles of education around the globe. You know, there's some fantastic models um, that I think we really should be looking at for the the future. But if you've moved through acting, radio, journalism, politics, media training to set up your own business, you've you've got some serious resiliency skills there.
1: Look, I see that as my number one quality is just the ability to uh, maybe stubbornly just to stand there and take punches. Um, And look, I grew up in an environment where my father was a a minister in, in a church. So we moved around a lot. Uh, And with that, believe it or not, comes uh, my dad and my mother had to deal with some pretty awful situations within the organised church, which is, you know, the place where you wouldn't think those things would happen, but they Mm -hmm. did, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they dealt with some pretty horrendous things. So that would mean we'd move around a lot. So, you know, I was born in Perth, lived in Warrigal, moved to Echuca, a number of suburbs in Melbourne, and then obviously I was out on my own, so I went to Jindabyne and, Goulburn and then a couple of stints to study politics overseas. So I've been a bit of a traveler my whole life, but mm. seeing what my parents went through um, and seeing some of the experiences I've had as, as well, like, you know, I'm, I'm no different to anybody else. I was bullied at school. Uh, I had a, a few other situations with teachers, which were not pleasant. Um, and yeah, I think that's just where the resilience kicked in. So I, I've never really looked into how to develop resilience or what it means or how to have resilience in a particular situation. It just seems to have been there within me. Um, I've just always backed myself in. If I've said, okay, I want to be an actor, I'll go into it, do it until I get to a certain degree and then realize that perhaps maybe it's not for me. Um, And the same is true in business. It took two years of not earning an income. I barely made a cent in the first two years. And fortunately, I was married to a wonderful woman who um, was keen to support me and was happy to do that. that we story. obviously we obviously had a few tough conversations during those that period of time too, whether it was actually going to work and whatever else. But the, the only thing I could say in that environment is I looked for the little signs that I was on the right track in those early days. Oh, so, gosh. yeah, mm-hmm. so, I mean, you, you know, I regularly dealt with, Christopher Case, it would seem in business, we do some content work for whoever it was, they'd love it, then they'd skip town without paying the bill. Uh, you know, things didn't go right and whatever else, but there were little signs along the way. And one of those little signs for me was the fact that when I tell people the content we're creating and the reasons why it was needed, they would always take an interest. It didn't mean that they turn into a customer. And in those early days, they never did. But there was always just those little signs for me that said, okay, well we've we're on the we're at the beginning of something which can turn into something amazing, because um, you know there was always that interest, whereas you know you don't have a business if people are taking no interest mm. in what your product or your service. but I've mm. always had that interest, and I've always had people who are willing to to help and guide along the way. Mm. and um, that's the resilience is what got me through. Like I'd turn around to my wife and I'd say, "Well, you know what?" Um, I've got no new customers, but three people online took some sort of an interest in what we were doing. So that's a positive sign, right? Yep. So you'd be like, yeah, okay, no worries, off we go. So uh, that's what got me through, just those, those little indications that um, things were bubbling away and it was going to turn into something much more important later on.
0: I love what you just said, you know, back yourself first. And that's what you're talking about, the, the trust in you, and even your relationship with your wife to do that. I mean, I love stories like that because everyone thinks that, you know, it's pretty glamorous. Um, you know, no,
1: sorry. Business,
0: business is pretty hard yakka and um, you actually have to circle yourself with the right people and know who to trust, uh, where to go, but also yep. trust yourself. And that imposter syndrome often pops in, doesn't it?
1: Most definitely it does. Even now, I still have those points where um, where I feel that, you know, we'll send out a proposal and uh, the person who seemed like a red-hot customer doesn't get back to you and when you follow it up with them and whatever else, they're like, no, nah, we're not going to go ahead with this. I'm like, what's wrong with us? What's wrong? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's yeah. maybe we didn't satisfy their needs or whatever, which is fine because there's plenty of other business out there for one. But even still, in those moments, I look back and I think, well, you know, maybe we're not doing too well or maybe it's not right and, and maybe I should just pack it in and go and work for someone else again. And then, you know, when you think about that option, you realise pretty quickly that a bit yeah. more resilience is needed to, to get through.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm a believer that there's an abundance for everyone. And I think it's when mm. you look at, look at the world a little bit, um, th- not through rose-coloured glasses necessarily, but a little bit more optimistically, you go, right. Let's just tune this in. Let's see what's working, what's not. Um, and often there's a time lag. It, it mm-hmm. means that you actually have to – this this takes a little bit of time. You've got to trust what you're doing. But back yourself in and um, – that, you know, that those little bits of beginning interest, they're the key. So you're very observant as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I love, there's nothing I love more than seeing these young entrepreneurs on social media who will tell you that their online course will scale your business to seven figures in 30 days. I mean you see I mean you see them everywhere, but what a crock of shit that is, like really. Because I know what it's like and it just does not happen, or it doesn't happen sustainably like that anyway. So um yeah, look, it's it's taken a long time to get to a point where I look at it and I think Story League doesn't have to be the final product right now. Mm but it's on the journey to get to, to what our final product is anyway. So, and there's, yeah. there's lots of machinations of that and there's trial and error and there's mistakes and, uh, you know, that's just, that's just part of life. So it's, yeah, it's taken a while to get there, but uh, we're heading in the right direction now. And um, yeah, I, I don't know when that end point is for Storyleak. I, I really don't. I know what I want it to achieve Mm. Uh, but how long that takes, I don't know, but I just look at it and I think, well, if I'm getting up and every day is better than the last day and we've achieved something with that day, we're on the right
0: course. So I'm just going to say, why don't we tell our listeners what um, what what would happen if Carrie came to you and said, Luke, tell me all about your business. I've got a podcast. What could you do for me? Let's give everyone a bit of a, uh, a snapshot of what's what the possibilities are at, at the current time.
1: Well, one of the reasons we've grown so well over the, the the COVID period is we've been able to productize what we offer. So um, we've got in the copywriting space, we've got four monthly content packages that they can our customer can choose. There's three in the podcast space and there's four in the video space. So uh, basically they can pick and choose what's relevant to them for for any particular point that they are in business. So if they just need, you know, um, the basics is that copywriting package, which is a couple of blogs per month, some social media messaging. If they're a bit more developed and want more, we've got blog posts weekly, plus we upload all of that content to their websites, um, social media channels, do a lot of graphic design, video editing work. So it's, it's basically, it's, we're an outsourced marketing agency. Um, but we don't do things like the um, SEO or paid ads or anything like that. So it's Mm. organic content, which I think is is very, very important. So that's the way we operate, but we initially do a lot of onboarding with our customers to really work out what their stories are. So who is a customer that could feature in their content to to give a really good story? Who is um, a referrer that you could use in, in your content as well? Because when a referrer is featured... They're going to share it to their network, which opens you up to a new market of potential customers. What's some thought leadership? So that's a really important piece. A Mm. lot of people want to say they're thought leaders, but when you boil boil it down, most people aren't because they're not prepared to say something that's unique or they don't have the time to do all the associated research. So that's where we play a a really strong role because we're journalists. We can go away and do all that research and then say, okay, right, there's a real opportunity around here, around this particular topic. Here's Mm. what we know what are your thoughts on it and let's build that out. So we do a lot of sessions like we are now, we're talking on Zoom with our customers. Once mm-hmm. we know the different pieces of content that's, that's available to them, we'll get them to just do an online interview and just ask the right questions to get the answers oh. that we need. As opposed to just going to a customer and saying, send me an email with a few dot points about what you want. Um, you know, if, you, if I know anything about most people, it's that they'd rather just sit down and have a conversation As opposed to smashing out another email so we're finding this Mm. way of working is a a really good thing we obviously then go away and create briefs and share them with our customers and say look here's our ideas and your ideas incorporated into the one document if you tick that off we can create that piece of content for you um and yeah that's what we're finding is is working really well so it's also uh, on a repeating schedule so every month based on the package they get new content which is a really big point as well because um The biggest driver, well, the the two big drivers of of content lead generation is the fact that you do it consistently and the fact that it's quality. So if you can get both of them, um, it's a really good thing. And what we know of business owners or small to medium sized teams is they don't have large internal marketing teams if they have anyone at all. So doing it consistently and doing it with the skill set of someone like a journalist is, a, is much, much difficult for them. It's like me doing my own books. You know, I would never do that because I'm not best placed to do that because that's not my skill set. So yeah, yeah. the pain point that we address there is the, the time it takes to do the amount of content that Google and social media platforms need in order to rank you on, and um, promote your content, and also the skill set of what it takes to write a quality blog or record and, and film a, a podcast or a, or a video.
0: So really what you've highlighted there is the the nature and the value of building a relationship with, you, with your customers. So you, you really know um, what, so they get to condense, tune in or focus in on what what they they are doing. it's also about the relationship and so we come back to this notion of people again
1: most definitely yeah most definitely um i don't think you'd find any one of the customers and we've got quite a few now Mm. would have uh any problem with us whatsoever they we we regularly text and whatever else on on different things and not just business related so there's definitely a relationship there as well and in fact for a number of our customers too, they trust us so much now that they'll just say, look, you come up with a content idea, write the brief, share it with us, and yeah. we'll just approve them from there. So their time is is minimized even further because they're dealing with sales or the team or business development, whatever it might be. So being creative.
0: They, yeah, you know? they just implicitly
1: trust us yeah. to get the job done because we've done yeah. it for them previously. <laughs>
0: Oh, Luke, I think um, it was an interesting day that we first met. And so um, your story and your your history of, of moving through and even finding out about um your you know how education really didn't suit you. You actually put yourself into gear and have that's been right. instrumental yeah. in getting in giving yourself your own education. And I don't think that's going to stop too soon, is it?
1: Uh, that's not my intention, no. So I <laughs> might as well be a lifelong learner and keep engaged in the process. So, yeah, and no, I have no reason to believe I want to stop that at all.
0: Oh, look, if you had one little thought just to leave our listeners with, I mean, this notion of um, a brand new world, we're living in a brand new world. We, we've never lived in this time before. Um, people are gravitating, are really being um, interested and curious about other people at the moment and and your own story. That's what's, you know, not large corporations with big mission statements necessarily. They're they're really looking at the individual and their story. Um, Maybe, do you have a small thought, an insight for us all just to think about for the next couple of years?
1: Most definitely. So if you look at the state of the content market, it's oversaturated. There's 5,000 blogs uploaded every minute. There's 300 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. And there's 50 million podcast episodes available. So I'm quite upfront with our customers or anyone that I'm talking to and saying the world does not need more content what it needs is unique content. That's the difference. And, uh, uh, you know, Google and other search engines are are desperately trying to find ways to rank unique content over keyword content. So that's an important thing. So then I go on to say that one of the most unique pieces of content that you can share is your own personal story. Mm. And there's a bit of reluctance around that, believe it or not. And that probably goes back to the, to the imposter syndrome and and businesses think, well, you know, why am I worthy of focusing attention on myself and whatever else? But in that you don't, you are to a degree, but you're also involving um, your support network and various other things. So, what we've done at Story League is, and I'd love to claim it as our own work, but it's not. But it's the proven methodology of telling a Hollywood blockbuster. It's called the Hero's Journey. It's a, tel- yeah. a, a twelve-step process, and if you look at Rocky or you look at any Adam Sandler film or any other type of uh, heroes sort of narrative type of thing,
0: yeah.
1: it follows the same story. The only thing that's different is the, the characters and the settings. So that works in your content as well. So um, that's a really big upfront piece of content that should be used. It's your hero's journey into business, what led you to it. And, you know, if you look at my example, that's it started with my grandfather. It uh saw me acting uh, in radio, in politics, in corporate and whatever else. And all of these things were in place because it's led me to Storyleak now. So that's just a quick overshot, over, um, overview of, of what needs to be in place. But if you can do that, you become much more humble and uh, your audience has a lot more empathy for your situation because they're learning about you. And that's really important because at the end of the day now, a- unless you're Nike or you're Apple, People buy from people. So if you can tell them that story and you can make yourself humble and human in that, it's putting you miles ahead of your competitors who are probably just um, too busy and too focused on just trying to use a piece of data to make a sale.
0: Yeah,
1: that's right. So what's the name of your blockbuster? Uh, Loop Yonel's Hero's Journey. Um, I actually can't remember. So... uh, to be determined, we'll, we'll go We'll go have our Hollywood Buster, Blockbuster movie one day, you never know. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but we've, <laughs> we've certainly got My Hero's Journey blog yeah. post. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. And it's a regular thing that we do for our customers yeah. as well.
0: Oh, Luke, it has been an absolute pleasure today to talk to you. And if listeners, if you really um, have tuned into what Luke has, what we've talked about today and what he has been able to build, um, you can easily find him on Instagram, Favorite place at Story League content. No spaces or lowercase. And um, Luke, you're happy to get an email?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We've got a, a, a publicly available email on the website. That's hello at storyleague.com.au.
0: Right. And for those of you who are based in the beautiful city of Melbourne, that's where you'll find Luke. But it Absolutely. seems to me that he's an explorer extraordinaire. So he's he's um, able to be contacted anywhere around the globe. So
1: yeah, we do, we do have a few customers overseas now. So, um, yeah, as soon as we're going you know, to get over there and, uh, you know, go on a, well, on a, on a junket, I will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, it's been an absolute um, delight to talk to Luke today. And if you're thinking about what your blockbuster might be, you know, Rocky's been done. It hasn't been done. Like you can do it. So if you actually want to get those boxing gloves on, or you know, do whatever it is, um, do an out of Africa, do a you know whatever it is that you want to do, an out of Australia, there, there'd be some pretty amazing things that we we can do. We've got some fantastic stories. We all have a story. We all are unique, and our thriving matters so much that uh, we need to tell our stories. each other because we learn we continually learn so luke thank you so much for what you've done story league i am sure i just got these pictures in my head images of um a lot of the uh superheroes Um, in costumes I just had one come into my head as I'm talking to you so I'm thinking I'm going to go and get my Wonder Woman costume on I've actually got one for my out! (laughs) (laughs) so I'll go and put that on and maybe that's the cover so we'll find out what we'll do but we will put this up on all our uh, um, podcast uh, platforms if you like us listeners give us a little bit of love we always like a review and uh, share share with somebody else you know but, Luke, thank you once again so much. Everyone, Story League is where you need to go and have a little look. Pop on Instagram and um, we will talk again, Luke. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for your time, Carrie. Appreciate it. It's been great fun.
0: Bye for now. I'm Carrie Benedette and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters.